Today's guest is a womb healer, and we'll explain what that means in the episode. She's also a filmmaker and the founder of Modern Medicine Woman. Carlotta Mastriani is her name. Uh, she's an old friend. Uh, she's also, I mean, I've seen some of her films from a while ago. Um, she had one on prostitution in Bangladesh, which was great. Um, and uh, she's transitioned into the work that we speak about in this episode. We ended up speaking about uh, energy work in, in Kundalini and orgasm. And I didn't know that she was a Kundalini instructor. So we, we actually spoke about Kundalini specifically quite a bit. I also didn't know that she was pregnant. She's seven months pregnant at the time of this recording. And uh, we end up speaking about birth stories. Uh, she explains what that is too. Trauma during birth, styles of birth, how that affects you as an adult. A little insight on uh, how that affects you. I, I learned that maybe why I'm so weird is because I was born by C-section. Perhaps it's a working theory. Um, so this is a super fun episode. I hope you enjoy. You can find out more of Carlotta's work at whatsyourmedicine.com. Right now you're listening to episode 018, Carlotta Mastroianni, Modern Medicine Woman. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. Hey, Carlotta. Hey. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm glad we got to reconnect here. Yeah, me too. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, so I think actually I use these podcasts a lot to reconnect with people <laughs> that I want to. It's kind of an excuse. Um, but yeah, so uh, you're in Ojai. I, I guess last time I saw you were in LA. Um, what have you been up to lately? Gosh, well, I've actually been traveling around quite a bit, but um, mm -hmm. Ojai is is kind of has been my home for the last couple of years. Cool. Off, yeah, and uh, it's a beautiful community here. Yeah. How'd you end up there? Um, well, I wanted to get out of the city. And um, Ojai is a very magical place, and it's um, it's sacred land, Native American land, and it's it's really in a feminine vortex, and so cool. it kind of sucked me in and um, just provided a really great ground for my work. Awesome. So that's what I want to ask you about the most, uh, because last time we met, I guess you were primarily a documentarian. Is that yes? Per se? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I saw some of your work, like you covered like different cultures. I know you had a project, was it in India? I had a project in Bangladesh. Bangladesh. I was on and off for three years um, doing a film on a community of prostitutes. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like that's related, but I'll let you tell me, like, how did you, where did modern, modern uh, medicine women come from? How did I shift? Um, I guess I've always been interested in... Um, in women and societal, you know, constructs around women and subverting ideas um, that we may have around how about female empowerment, let's say. And um, I started to work. Um, I spent about seven, seven to ten years, actually going deeper down a spiritual path whilst I was a filmmaker. So then I started to make films that that were more related to. Um, uh, let's say spirituality for want of a better word. And, um, Would you say the Bangladesh film fit into that? Well, that was probably just before. Okay. I say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that just, the Bangladesh film just uh, happened. I mean, it really did 
did open my eyes, obviously, around female sexuality and empowerment. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Cool. So you became interested in spirituality and then... Oh, yes, and then I was working. So basically, I, I got into working with sexual energy in a way, first through Kundalini and then mm-hmm. orgasmic meditation. And then the last piece of that was became womb healing. Uh, okay. Going deeper into shadow work let's say and holding women through a process where they could really go in and um work on their wounding and um so what is what is womb healing yeah it's kind of an odd one people ask uh-huh. me a lot it's a cool sounding word i definitely put it in like the little bio i wrote for you but i don't actually know what it is yeah that's completely fair enough and oh and that's just a quick aside I, it looks like we have a couple live viewers just so you know if you're listening you can type in the chat any questions you have and we can see that so feel free. Um, yeah. So womb healing, you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the womb is, um, I mean, is really just like the, the energetic term for, for uterus, you know, which is the mm-hmm. more technical term. Um, but the, the womb is an energetic holding space that actually both men and women have. And if- is womb not a medical term? I didn't know. I, I, I guess I, I don't know the answer to that, but it's not, not really, I know you don't really, okay. you know, doctors talk about wounds and stuff like that mm-hmm. necessarily um but it is it is an energetic holding space and uh, both men and women have it really and it's the place where we store most of our um wounding and hurt and um our trauma and really it's the sacral chakra mm-hmm. i don't know if, if you know yeah. what about that so it's really connected to our relationships with life with money with sex and all of that mm-hmm. and um so womb healing is actually a very very ancient practice that has been present in, in so many ancient civilizations from tibetan to mayan you know hindu like all different kinds mm-hmm. of civilizations, egyptian and it's really just coming back now into uh, a sort of more of a, a common um sort of more mainstream a little bit more mainstream but not very much gotcha Cool. So what is it, is it more of a body practice or is it like, uh, like what does it entail exactly? Well, for me, it's a combination of uh, body practice. Um, and, um, for, for me, actually it starts with growing your inner orgasmic life force. Okay. So when I talk about orgasm, I don't talk about climax as you know, right. it's more about the sort of orgasmic life force that to me is present in all of nature, especially. Mm-hmm and within our bodies and it's a lot to do with the element of fire and so mm-hmm. when we cultivate the element of fire that is the strongest of the four elements of the four basic elements then that really uh, works through our system through our chakras and it rises up much like kundalini energy does mm-hmm. and it unblocks everything um, from our systems that is still holding us back i'm curious it, do you see a difference between that I mean, I guess it goes by many names, like orgasmic energy or life force or whatever. And Kundalini, are they different? Or in my mind, I've always put them in the same category of some sort of like. It's interesting. So um, when I think about Kundalini energy, I I think um, I I still think about a kind of the chi energy and an orgasmic life force but it's slightly different to me in that it feels very linear so it feels more um masculine in some ways mm-hmm. and i think kundalini yoga as well the, the system is more techno technical and it has yeah. 
more of a a hard goal of bringing the energy up to your crown exactly whereas when i talk about orgasm i think of it more as the same energy but in a more feminine form so it's more uh loose and fluid and chaotic in a way Mm -hmm. and it sort of just goes where it needs to go and it's often not really we don't sort of like really focus on getting our our orgasmic energy you know pulling that energy out it's just sort of more of an allowing got it okay Cool. Sorry, I interrupted you though. You were saying about um, fine. So I mean, in a sense, healing. yeah, okay. It's it's meditation, it's movement, it's anything that gets your inner fire going mm-hmm. and activated. So and and intention is really important as well. Gotcha. And in in your studies of different cultures, did you find many different practices? I know, like orgasmic meditation is more of a contemporary or you know modern i guess interpretation of how to cultivate that energy like it sounds like you went to different cultures and found some sort of equivalent practice i did um well tantra is you know is is definitely a practice that helps Mm -hmm. um with with working through that energy through your body in a conscious intentional way and um, there is a certain alchemy that happens within Tantra. So in a way, I think of my work as tantric because it's alchemical. But mm-hmm. I'm not a tantric in the sense of technically knowing how it all um, works, you know, in a, in a technical sense. But I'm a tantric in the way that I connect to life fully with my body and my senses. Awesome. And, um, so that would be one. But also... Um, yeah, any like Sufi, even like Sufi dancing, for uh-huh. example, is to do with the womb, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, all different kinds of dances. Um, music is also connected to the womb. The womb is connected to the throat chakra. Um, and anything really where you're working with, yeah, masculine and feminine energy. Yeah, Cassie just wrote that. Hi, Cassie. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, when you talk about like the physical practice of feeling the womb, like I, I was just wondering if you actually work with the physical structure, like the uterus or whatever the male equivalent is for like the physical womb. Like are you, when you talk about the energetic womb, are you talking about a physical area on the body or is it just like the concept of womb, like the concept or the associations with that chakra, for instance? Right. Um, I work more energetically with the womb. Okay. So with internal alchemy and then with hands-on healing or even distance healing. So gotcha. it's like a dynamic process of going in and seeing what's in there and clearing uh-huh. it out. Um, but womb healing is absolutely also a physical uh, thing. And so there's many mm. practitioners who work with womb healing more in a practical sense. Um, there's so many Mexican midwifery traditions even where mm. they 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 use their hands and do womb massages and they use rebosos and like special cloths that help you realign your womb. So there's all of that, which is very physical and very important also, but I work more on a shamanic level. If that means, do you know what I mean? It's a bit loose of the term, but. Yeah. Yeah. So where, um, and I guess like your work with the, as a documentarian probably fed into this and like with the exposure of culture, because from your website, it sounded like you're trying to find the common thread, almost like Joseph Campbell's like monomyth, like what is the common way of healing that part of the psyche, I guess, or body even? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, it's, it's twofold. I mean, one for me is like how different cultures work with energies to bring the masculine and feminine alignment with mm. themselves and to, um, 
to have that marriage of the hero's garments you know within so i've researched you know sikh and hindu and so many different cultures um around this subject um, yeah have you made a film on this as well this um, subject i was no i'm actually making a film on breath practices around the world okay. which is linked to womb healing but is a slightly different angle I, i was making a film around music and um and all over the world in sort of different in different cultures and music as a healing force in our lives. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I'd be really curious at some point. I mean, I guess, I mean, you're probably covering it in the birthing thing, but it's really interesting when something in South America corresponds to something done in Asia and there's no way they could have communicated at that age. It's really fascinating. Like it must've been like a primordial impulse to think to do such a thing. Exactly. You know, it's it's really amazing. So looking at birth practices around the world and looking at how children are welcomed into the world. Um, I'm looking at how they're they're welcomed through music and ceremony in all these mm. different parts of the world. And as you say, they haven't necessarily communicated that. They just instinctively go. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm curious now, I mean, like one of the women men, uh, but also like uh, for people who are not familiar with like chakras. Like I'm not super familiar with it. Like, what does it mean like to need like healing of your womb? Like, how would you know, like what, what shows up in someone's life or in their body? Sure. Um, I see it a lot in terms of, um, where your power is blocked. I think that the sacral is, is one of our, our greatest power centers and mm-hmm. how we relate to the world. And so, um, it can be anything in, in, in women, but in men really as well. I see it. If you have any blocks to, um, your intuition, for example, or, um, uh, trusting your body, trusting what your body is telling you in every moment, any, um, uh, blocks maybe potentially towards your mother, even like that you haven't healed the, the mother wounding that part mm-hmm. of your lineage, Um, there, I sort of see them as power blocks because I think that when we have a clear womb, um, and, and we can come from that space of empowerment, our lives just work better. So do you go into like past, like when you say lineage, do you go into like people's family history? Like what is the work there? Yes, I do. Um, I really believe that, um, we are connected to our ancestors, you know, to our mm-hmm. mother and father lineages in many different ways. And so uh, when we come into the world as we're even preparing to give birth and as we give birth, we have so much history. So we bring in so much energy from our ancestors and um, mm-hmm. it's important to clear away anything that is not serving us within that process. Gotcha. Yeah. I've been really interested in that. Um, because I, I've, I know a lot of people who like speak about like healing their pa- parents thing or like their, you know, something in their family line. And sometimes it can be really vague, but, uh, kind of like tangential, but I've been really interested in how people's like sexual attraction is really dictated by their relationship with their opposite sex parent or same sex parent and like how that, I mean, if you really look at certain things and certain patterns that people are interested in and then find out how they spoke or interacted with their parent, it's like very obvious, the connection. And perhaps that is, if it's a pattern, it could have been passed down from grandparent to parent and great grandparent. Like it seems like, oh yeah, that does actually make sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think especially with um, th there's many different kinds of wounding that we can hold. But I look a lot mm -hmm. at um, sexual wounding, and when we can really go into our bodies, we can see where that wounding or where the fire is stuck within our system. Um, and so, if we have wounding around the heart, it might feel different to wounding around the throat area or the sacral. And but without getting too esoteric, um, yeah. For example, I'm now pregnant and giving birth soon, and so I'm looking... Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I'm not on Facebook a lot. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm seven months pregnant, and this whole pregnancy has been an enormous clearing of my womb, and there's like huge work around my mother lineage and my father lineage, and hmm. um, in the, how can I best explain it, like um, in the... Um, in the case of my mother, for example, I have to look at all the places in my life where I'm, um, where I'm either moving away from how, you know, her energetic patterns or mm. I'm, um, stuck in them in the same energetic patterns so that I don't bring it forth into my gotcha. story. So I guess for most people, when they don't think most people don't think about such things, so they're just by default following their parents' pattern. Um, yes, or reacting to it. So when we have mm. a wound, um, it fragments us. So if you imagine a, a wound in your sacral or like a, a, a wound that we came in with, like a fundamental thing that we believe that it could be something like mm. we're not enough or I'm not enough or I'm impure or I'm, you know, and it can come from religion. It can come from ancestry. It can come from so many different systems. And when you hold that womb in your energetic system, that wound, sorry, in your energetic system, it creates a lot of fragmentation in your life. Go into all these different areas that aren't authentically you. Yeah. And so I just help people come back to their central wounding so they can heal it and come to their authentic selves and just be more, come back to wholeness, let's say. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I was reading a thing by um, Chagyam, Chagyam Trungpa about how, like, you're not free until you let go of your parents' patterns. Um, because it's like it's impossible to pick up. Like if your parent has an insecurity, you're gonna ha either have that insecurity or like overcompensate for it. Right. Um, and when you were saying that, it was making me think like, oh yeah, like I went very deep into sexual exploration. I mean, I think in response to my parents' very closed mindedness, like it was kind of like a unconscious reaction that I went a little further than maybe it would be authentic to me. I don't know. Mm. Um, we actually had a, a oh, actually two questions from Cassie. Mm -hmm. uh, Focusing on the womb brings it all together. I guess that wasn't a question. She did ask, um, would you say that womb healing facilitates kundalini rising gentle way? Mm, that's a beautiful question. Um, yes, I mean, I think your womb is your crucible for healing. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like a crucible, by crucible, it's like a container that sits in your sacral. And when you're able to alchemize what's in there that shouldn't be there, and it can even be people like, you know, ex-boyfriends or, you know, your mother or your father or people that you that are just sucking up your energy in there. Uh, when you clear all of that with your internal fire or kundalini, then there's more room for your kundalini to keep rising. Hmm. 
I, I'm curious about that because I don't know a ton about Kundalini. I've done a little Kundalini yoga, but like the Kundalini rising experience is kind of, as I understand, like a, a spontaneous, like internal orgasm. That's how I've had it explained to me. Like, oh, I had my, like, I had a Kundalini rising in 2007. And then it's like, it's a very specific event. Is that, um, well, one, is that your understanding of it? And two is, is like, but when you say that, are you like clearing a pathway for like the spontaneous eruption, I guess? Yeah. For me, Kundalini is, has always been amazing preparation for a full on alchemy to happen in my body. So to me, mm-hmm. it, it felt like, and I, I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but this is how the, the system that I teach works because that's how it was for me. But I feel that, um, kundalini you know that the masculine sort of goal oriented you know raising the kundalini um was preparation for my body so i led when i did a lot of kundalini yoga and i used to teach it it prepared my body to let in more of my essence and more of Hmm. the more light pathways in my body but then i really needed a much stronger spark to 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 light up the alchemy within my body and that came through orgasm orgasmic Hmm. does that make sense yeah 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 yeah. so yeah um i'm curious how this uh well i mean how has your work been affected by you being pregnant oh god and preparing to be preparing for motherhood i guess it's amazing you're already in mother it was amazing because i was making a film on birth practices around the world because i wanted um to give women information i want i would love all women to arrive at their own births healed from their own birth stories and to have absolute trust and intuition in their own bodies um and and to just feel empowered by whatever choices they make that they come from the right place that's authentic for them so as i was making this this movie i also became pregnant and so i'm in the movie she started the movie before you got pregnant yes and cool we were in india actually filming with gurmuk kolkalsa who's um uh, a wonder one of the wonderful pioneers in kundalini yoga and womb uh, mm-hmm. and pre and sort of prenatal pregnancy let's say we were filming with her in india and i got cool. there and been <laughs> traveling the world interviewing people ever since huh. on, pregnancy. on pregnancy yeah i'm curious were you, were you planning on it were you trying to or is it just like a thing that happened yeah we we were planning but i think okay. we wanted to to come through we just didn't know when and baby yeah. wanted to come through in India and he got a good dose of a lot of different masters that we got to speak at at that time. So cool. I said the baby's male. Yeah. Know. Yeah. It's a boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That, that's pretty cool. He'll be able to see. Yeah. I guess, are you pregnant? Are you visibly pregnant in the film? Like he'll be able to see his himself yeah. pre-birth. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so how it affected me was that I've, I'm getting to really heal my own birth story as well and, and do my own. I mean, I'd already done so much womb healing, obviously, but I'm also healing as well as assisting other people with their own healing. And through pregnancy, I got a huge dose of it myself. So, Wait, so what do you mean by birth story? How you come into the world affects, um, affects really everything. Uh, mm-hmm. that that happens in your life afterwards and how you relate to life afterwards and mm-hmm. so going 
back into the moment that you came into the world and how you came in and how you were nurtured and if you had attachment parenting or not um, can give can give you a lot of clues on how you relate to the world now. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that and I've thought like, like so I was born by C-section mm-hmm. and I wasn't breastfed. So like, is that why I'm like flighty? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Is that why I have commitment <laughs> issues perhaps? I don't, I, I mean, what is, yeah. I mean, actually I'm curious, like are there common things like, oh, if, if you know someone is born by C-section or, or something had some common events, yeah. can you see this is what, they're like as an adult, for oh, instance. You can actually, funny enough, Eric and I, Eric, my husband and I, are both C-section babies and non-breastfed. And um, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of couples come together who have very similar birth stories. First of all, huh. um, and also, I mean, yes, in a way, but it can depend on the details. For example, my C-section. I was born by C-section. It was very, very aggressive, and um, it was sort of uncalled for in many ways. I could feel my mother's. Um, isolation. I could feel the the very masculine presence of the, the medical system and the doctors like tearing me out of the womb and my cord was cut extremely quickly, which didn't give me time to adjust. And so I, for example, um, have had difficulty with feelings of overwhelm in my life and, and a real pushback towards the masculine, which I've really, really, it's been a huge part of my work is really integrating that. Hmm. I have a very like beginner question. Like, so obviously you don't remember this. I, I'm assuming you were told. Like, how do you know that that connection? Mm. You feel it in your body. So, um, again, it's sort of a bit of a, a shamanic process or a therapeutic process, if you like. So mm. you can go back into meditation with someone's assistance. Um, you know, even by yourself, you may get flashbacks, but you just go back in and you really feel it in your body there's just a knowing Hmm. that the the body retains and that's where you can go in and and clear that but even just the witnessing of it can be very very powerful Hmm. yeah because i've heard of people like during ayahuasca ceremonies for instance like recalling their birth but then there's always the question like are they actually seeing the memory of their birth or like is this uh they're feeling something from that time that's now being projected in images the best that their mind can I guess it doesn't really matter, um, but uh, so it had, was it's through some sort of shamanic ceremony, or how did how did that yeah, I, return? To um, so first of all, I asked my parents. It's a great practice mm-hmm. to do, you know, to uh-huh. really go into conversation with your mother if you can, and say, "What do you remember of your birth? How did you feel?" You know, and ask really in detail, how long did you breastfeed for? How did you feel when you couldn't breastfeed? You know, how did you feel when you found out you had to have the C-section? I mean, that can be enormously telling of what patterns you're carrying within you. Um, And then, for example, in my case, um, I was assisted by my midwife. Um, she's She's a wonderful a uh, woman who lives here in Ohio who's like given birth to most of the village <laughs> mm. amazing and and she she actually made me have a couple of sessions with her um and and we just kind of she just kind of took me back into that space and I was able to to recall through what was happening in my body uh, how mm. I had felt during my my own birth so is she a shamanic midwife? Uh, she is, but she doesn't really go. I mean, she's actually just a midwife. 
gotcha. works a lot with families around womb around birthing and she works with families even after babies are born to heal trauma from birth gotcha. so i think of her as a shamanic midwife but she wouldn't gotcha. herself that yeah Okay. Um, so is there a way, like, what is your preferred or her preferred, like, how are, how are you going to deliver this baby? Like, is there mm. like underwater? Like what, what are the things to reduce yeah. the trauma? Is it possible to have a non-traumatic birth? I love this question. Um, my, I, I think so. I think that first of all, you're going to have to respect whatever your child's blueprint is. So they're going to come into the world with whatever they need to learn. So you have mm-hmm. to really let go and, and, and just be in the flow. Um, but I'm, uh, planning on giving birth at home and I'm also, I figured I'm also prepared for anything though, but I've done an an enormous amount of healing so that I wouldn't create my own blockages to a natural birth. And then, um, I'm feeling a lot of earth energy around this child being born. So I'm sort of preparing if I can. It might be in the garden. <laughs> like I might be okay. swinging from a tree. Um, and <laughs> it's really it's really interesting because in my work, I, I work a lot with earth energy. And what's beautiful that I've picked up from the Native American tradition is that um, the child's first breath activates um, the, the father lineage through and activates like their light system, let's say that that kind of more kundalini system that's more masculine, let's say. And then the mm-hmm. second breath happens when the child touches the earth and he or she mm-hmm. comes back into contact with the mother energy of the earth. And so he'll have a connection to the resonance of the earth and to the mother for the rest of his life. Are you planning on having him to, like immediately I may, may. I mean, ideally it would be myself and my husband, Eric, and then my two midwives and my, um, and my shamanic um, teacher. And she might help me with, with the earth ritual when the baby. Cool. So. Cool. So if you felt water energy, maybe you'd do an underwater birth. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll still have a tub there. And then if it, who knows, you know, we'll have a top there and it might happen through, but through there, but, um, when it, you know, whatever. I'm curious if you felt fire energy from this child, like what would that birth look like? <laughs> right. Like we might fire. do it then in the more like Aboriginal, the Aboriginals in, in Australia actually do some kind of fire ceremony, the smoking baby ceremony where they put the baby over smoke, over fire and really? bless all the, the limbs and the heart and the, the brain all of the parts of the baby. I was, I was like, oh, that must be torturous. But at first, actually, like, they're going from a really warm place into cold air. Like, right. that might actually feel good <laughs> to be over smoke. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they. who knows? They say that babies love water. They love to come mm. in with water. But I think, it, I think it's different, actually, for every baby. Hmm. Gotcha. What about uh, cutting the cord, the placenta, is there any plan with that? Yes, to leave it um, to leave it as long as possible, mm-hmm. and to have it um, to at least have the the pulsating um, that pulse the pulsing that happens after the baby comes out to stop naturally on its own because it contains an enormous amount of minerals and blood and enzymes um, that will serve the the baby for the rest of his life. 
And when we mm. cut the cord early, that can create a huge amount of emotional and physical disturbance. Yeah, the more I learn about births and stuff, the more I feel gypped. Like I definitely didn't get my um, placenta nutrients. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> and it's a shock because I mean the the placenta is where you know the baby. That's all the baby is known as life sustenance. Mm -hmm. So you're cutting him or her. Have you found that's common in Aboriginal cultures? Do they keep the placenta, or do do most cut the cord? Oh yeah, they no, they 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 keep the placenta. They have rituals around the placenta. It's often um, the cord often dries up after two or three days naturally, and uh, that's called mm. the lotus birth. And then the placenta is put under the earth as a ritual. This happens in Ethiopia uh. and other areas of Africa. Well. So like in Ethiopia, for instance, like the, the Aboriginal tribes, at least they, uh, like they just keep the baby with the placenta. Like when you wrap the baby up, it's like baby and placenta yeah. for two days. Yeah. Essentially carrying around the placenta in a kind of special sack and it just goes oh. with the baby. Huh. So. Cause it's like at birth, the placenta is almost as large as the child, right? Pretty much. Okay. It's like you have double the. That's yeah. That's, that's interesting. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, imagine hmm. like having to breastfeed, you know, with with the baby attached to. Oh yeah, that must know, be complicated. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if if we'll do that also because if you're going to eat the placenta, um, you only have 24 hours before you freeze it. So. Gotcha. I was going to ask about that. Are you planning on eating it? I think so. I think okay. I would rather cut it when the, the pulsing has stopped and then, or, you know, when baby is ready and then, and then ingest the placenta. Yeah, so I, so my, I don't know a lot about that other than animals do it, but are there any Aboriginal cultures that do that? That do the placenta eating? Eating? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, they must do. Yeah, you can make it into. I mean, nowadays we put them in the blender and make smoothies with them. But um, yeah, that seems strange <laughs> to me. I mean, I feel. I mean, I don't know what it would taste like. I guess it would like be like an organ meat. But apparently, it's a little bit like. Um, it's like li a liver, actually. It sort of slices mm. quite quite easily. So it's like gummy, I guess. Okay. Well, I, I like liver, so. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know whose placenta I'll be eating, but uh... <laughs> yeah, you can have some too. Apparently, it's really amazing, and people are yeah. charging a ton of money at the moment to give their placenta really? away. It's wow. yeah. Huh? Do you, what, do, what do they do in the hospital? Do they just throw it up by default? I think so. You know, pretty much. I mean, I mean, you know, nowadays it also depends on the hospital that you're going to. So you want to make sure. Um... <laughs> I'm liking Cassie's quest um, remarks. Yeah, Cassie said she did a smoothie, I'm assuming with the placenta immediately after birth yeah. with fruit yogurt, and it was the best smoothie ever. Awesome. And it does help so much with postpartum uh, depression and with just with, you know, regenerating immediately after birth. Yeah. Yeah, because I've heard that that's from, oh, it depends who you're asking, a new nutrient uh, deficiency after birth or like an energetic deficiency, perhaps both depending on your lens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the first 40 days after the birth are really, really important. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we have a couple of questions. I think they're both from Cassie. Let's see. Uh, we'll go backwards because we're more on topic. So big question. I did all the right things outwardly with my two children, ate the placentas, breastfed. But for me, I realized now I was in a state of shutdown when they were born. I didn't get that oxytocin flow. Any thoughts on that? Mm. 
Okay. Um, how, how, it depends on how she gave birth to them. Um, oxytocin, it's such a difficult, it depends on how much intervention there was during the birth and sometimes intervention just can't be helped. Um, but also I think, okay, I don't, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, there's so much pressure for women around feeling that they have to feel so in love with their babies straight away. And I think that it's a bit of a taboo subject that um, sometimes that just isn't the case, that we don't feel um, completely connected immediately. And obviously I'd have to ask, like, you know, the details of, of what happened after the birth. Um, if there was like a 40-day period of complete rest after the birth with no interruptions, um, you know, if you're, have you been able to keep your boundaries and be really sure with your yes and no as to who's allowed to be around and, um, and if you've really been taken care of within your relationship and within you, because often we give a lot of importance to the child when the child is born, but the mother is just as important, especially in those first 40 days. So for the mother to be nourished and nurtured is very, very important. All of, all of these, like there's so many different um, aspects of it. Hmm. Is there a specific kind of, you keep mentioning the 40 days. Is there something specific for the 40 days? Mm. The 40 days, um, I would suggest um, it's a period where the mother and child and the father have to adjust to, um, to, to this new being. And um, the mother and the child have to, um, their, their auras in a way have, have sort of been... Um, are finding have been shattered at birth and then have to find their way to together. So they're like one being. And so you're rebuilding your energetic system after birth, you're rebuilding your aura. And it's, it's very important to have very warming foods. Um, it's very important to rest in many cases. I would say if you can to not even introduce the child outside for the first 40 days, and to only have people and family around that you feel good around that maybe are there to help. So avoiding too many people just coming in to meet baby. They can wait yeah, until yeah. the 40 days is done. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about what you said about the father. Like in your studies of different cultures, did you find a lot of like communal type birthing situations or uh, like was the father's role similar in different kind of, or curious if like you came across cultures that were, they didn't believe in like nuclear families at all. And there was no concept. Was that common? Um, yes. I think that there's, I mean, I think that there, there are certain cultures in which giving birth is purely women's business. Mm. Therefore men are not expected to be there. Um, and so you might find it at birth that there's more of a community of women surrounding. But I think in those situations, then it's it's so part of their culture that the woman gets support from the village, as it were. She gets support from other women. Um, yes. 
is there like from your opinion and i guess i mean you have a husband and it sounds like you are in a, i mean i don't know what your village is like but, <laughs> it is a bit uh, like that for us we're really yeah we're lucky I mean, but sorry oh, i was just gonna ask do you feel like one is preferred over the other in general do you think like a, a all women's uh communal type thing is healthier or does it not matter well i love the idea of the, the man being present absolutely i love the idea of the man uh, completely being in this supportive and, and uh, protective role when a woman goes into labor she is in like, a sort of labor land where she's going into a very deep intense shamanic journey if she's able to really tune into her body and mm -hmm. to know exactly what to do in every moment and what's right for her and baby and so in that moment she needs the masculine to really protect her and to make sure that the space is how she needs it to be she may not be able to communicate so there has to be a lot of a, a trusting loving relationship between man and woman for the baby to come out in the best possible mm -hmm. way and i love the idea of the father whose voice in the womb is already you know the baby already recognizes the father's mm -hmm. voice from the womb so to have the father there maybe to catch the baby or to really say welcome, you know, welcome mm. to the world and to hand the baby to the mother is, is a beautiful thing. Um, and you also have to respect the, where every man is at. So if you know that your man isn't good at a certain kind of support, you know, talk about other ways in which he can help. Gotcha. I, I, th I asked before, I don't know if we covered it. Uh, is it possible to have a non-traumatic birth? Um, I think so. I think, well... I think birth is always like slightly a shock for a baby, obviously coming into yeah. the world. But I think there's a way that you can make it very smooth and welcoming. And if you allow for the birth to happen in the way that the child needs it to, and that they would be able to come out and, and not feel not feel too crowded, not to feel enough too much harshness around him or her and you know, just kind of um, getting used to being without the placenta and mm. being able to breastfeed immediately. All of these things make it a smoother birth. But I'm also very, very careful to say that because um, sometimes intervention is necessary and not all mothers want and need the same thing. And so mm. to, to have a lot of... Um, it's like I would never want anyone to feel shame because they had to give birth in a hospital, you know, or because they felt mm -hmm. that, that was the right thing for them. Because if it's right for you, then then it's absolutely right. Gotcha. Cool. Um, all right. So we have one more question. Uh, I think it was back on the Kundalini. Um, have you noticed people reacting badly physically or dissociating after the stimulation of Kundalini yoga? Reacting badly or dissociating. Yeah, and, and I've heard that actually from like Taoist sexuality books, like kind of as a criticism of Kundalini that like sometimes it puts so much energy in your brain. We get like a Kundalini, I think it's called Kundalini syndrome when you have like a headache. And I, I've experienced stuff like that before. Yeah. Uh, so is that it can something you've seen coming? Because so when you, um, if you wake up too fast, if the, the energy is, is too powerful and it shoots through your chakras um, too fast, it can be damaging. 
And so the great thing about doing something like Kundalini yoga is that you get like that little drop of Kundalini every day in a more contained way. We're talking about the technicality of Kundalini and that's why it feels more masculine to me because it's a system that you work within. Gotcha. And it's partly to protect you from dissociating. Yeah, absolutely. But it can, it can happen. Um, I would also say, for example, even with orgasmic energy, like an orgasmic life force, like it can be very chaotic. It can be very intense. Um, and that's why I work a lot with grounding and using a lot of containment within that, because if you're going to play with fire, I think, I think you also want to stay grounded and you want to feel safe because then the disassociation happens because you're moving too fast and you have a lot of scattered energy in your system and your fragmentation um, doesn't have a safe place to land. And so you can look at your wounding from a safe space. Gotcha. That makes sense. Especially, yeah, for someone who I guess had overwhelm at birth, that makes sense to... I have extra attention on that. Yes, absolutely. And I find a lot with sacral healing, um, it's very dangerous to do without, um, uh, without grounding and without feeling safe and nourished first. The same with shadow work. I mean, mm-hmm. shadow work requires a certain container, I think, in order for you to be able to go deeper. Mm, safely. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Uh, so we have a question uh, that I don't actually know what these words mean, but I'm going to read them to you. What might, uh, what might be some words of advice to women who suffer from severe hyperemesis gravidarum? Mm. Okay, yes. So that sounds like we're going into more of the te- technical womb healing. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure exactly, but... Um, um, yeah, I don't know what that word. I don't know what that word is. It sounds more of a technical term for the womb healing aspect. So maybe it's um, so if it's someone who's had operation an operation to the uterus area, um, had a hysterectomy or like anything like that, I would say there's a lot of womb healers out there that actually really look at um, that aspect, you know, how to heal, um, internally from that physical aspect. Um, and I've also seen, you know, shamanically speaking, when you go into the emotional aspect of it, um, it heals the physical as well. Mm. Go in both ways, if you like, maybe do and do both. Gotcha. Cool. Um, well, I've learned a ton. I didn't know we were going to talk about birth so much. I know, me so too. Things about it. <laughs> um, next time we speak, I want to ask you more about uh, shadow work and, and stuff. But I thought this was super fascinating. Uh, so thank you for sharing. And it's cool. Congratulations again. I had no idea you. you're about to give birth. Yeah, I'm- so you're due in a couple months. Yeah, end of November. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's a cliche question, but do you have a name? Or is I that- do, but I'm not going to divulge it. Okay. And I thought it was yeah. going to be like a very sort of like exotic name, but it's not. We're going to go for an Italian name, I think, in the end. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. Cassie says it's going to be a magic baby. Oh, bless. Thank you so much. Cool. Uh, so where can people find out more about your work? Sure. Um, you can go to whatsyourmedicine.com. 
And that explains a lot about womb healing and the origins of womb healing. Um, and I also have a very short little book, which is kind of like a manual for the modern medicine woman. And that's coming out in a couple of weeks. And um, it's, and that just kind of talks about waking up your inner orgasmic life force and how it can heal your womb and your heart and like your whole energetic system. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Carlotta. This has been super fun. It has. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be in touch. We will. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to be a part of the virtual audience for future episodes, make sure to follow me at crowdcast.io slash Rwando. See you next time.